Hello there and welcome to the Go Ahead Dublin Championship show here on Dubs TV. We're gearing up for Go Ahead Dublin football final weekend this weekend. It's Chemical Croaks against St. Jude's in the Go Ahead Dublin Senior 1 football final this Sunday afternoon at Parnell Park. Croaks now going for the double after their hurler success in the Senior A final last weekend. Jude's aiming for a first ever senior football title uh, this Sunday afternoon. We're going to be joined by our expert panel to preview the game and the Senior 2 final as well. We'll be joined by the chairman of both Chemical Croaks and St. Jude's and also from uh, some members of the camp as well. A little bit later on, we're going to be looking back at that epic go-ahead Dublin Senior A hurling final last weekend as Chemical Croaks snatched victory from the jaws of defeat to beat Nafina after extra time. That's to come later on. First up, though, it's the football. Okay, I'm delighted to be joined by former Dublin footballer Barry Cahill and the Heralds Conor McKeown to uh, preview this Sunday's Go Ahead Dublin Senior One football final. Guys, thanks a million for joining us. Thanks, Derek. Thanks, Derek. No problem. Looking forward to a, uh, another enthralling encounter this weekend. We had a cracker in the hurling uh, last Saturday, so hopefully the, the same uh, in the football this weekend. Uh, Barry, St. Bridget's this year are uh, commemorating their 10-year anniversary winning 2011 uh, senior football title. Obviously, you were part of that team. You know what these guys are going through this week, the players are going through this week in terms of preparing for the game and the nerves and the excitement around what goes into county final week. I'm sure uh, plenty of, I guess, more urging Sunday to come as quick as possible more than anything else. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, it's it, it's a very exciting time for any club footballer. Um, you know, the Dublin Senior Club Championship, in my view, is the toughest club uh, competition in, in the country. It's the hardest one to win. The standard is extremely high. Um, certainly, you don't. It doesn't get handed to you. Um, it, it can take years, years of effort to get there. So, um, for the likes of Jude's and and Croaks, it's it's a really enjoyable period. Um, and I suppose you know once the inter county season finishes up, all focus is on the club championship. As you get into September, October. The evenings are, are starting to, to come in a bit as well once you get in beyond Halloween. So there's a really nice feel around the place getting into Parnell Park, playing those evening matches um, in quarterfinal, semifinal stage. Just builds up nicely. And, and obviously for the club itself, um, once the, the final whistle of the semifinal is gone, you know, they're, they're in organisation mode in terms of getting all the, 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 the bunting and the colours and stuff in the local schools and areas and in the club itself. So... Um, it's always a, a nice period to be in. Managed to play in a, a few finals myself, and, and and got on a couple of winning ones. And yeah, there's there's no greater feeling because I said it's it's something that's very hard earned. Yeah, you've seen plenty of um, bunting and celebrations already this week at Jude's, and I, I guess Croaks were slightly um, they had they had the hurling final to kind of focus on that last weekend, but I'm sure plenty of uh, excitement this week as well. Plenty of colours around Kimmacud and Salorgan ahead of the uh, Sunday's final. Uh, Connor, we're going to talk about the semi-finals in, in a moment, but I guess assessing the season and the year overall, do you see these two teams as being the best two teams in the in the county? The two finalists, Jude's and Chemical Croaks, deserving finalists. Yeah, I definitely would have picked Croaks out at the start of the year, and if you were asking me for a maybe a slight outsider, I would have picked Jude's just because the level of consistency over the last decade is is really really exceptional, and on top of that. Okay, the fallen short 
Um, they got to a lot of semi-finals, you know, and I think their win rate in semi-finals might be something like three from nine now. Um, so they have been just slightly short of the quality required to win a Dublin championship. But I think in the last three or four years, what you've seen is the same management um, an awful lot of the same players. And they have actually developed as a squad. Um, you know, it's not a case that they make a semi-final last year, the year before, and then they fall away. Um, you know, they have been building year on year. They've become a better football team, a better balanced team, and certainly a better attacking team. And I think a team with more um, firepower off their bench, which can make a massive difference in the Dublin Championship. Um, so, yeah, like I wouldn't be, you know, if you did said three months ago or two months ago, whenever we started, the Croaks and Jude's would be in a final. I wouldn't have been the least bit surprised. The only the only thing against that was, you know, Ballymun won last year's championship at such a canter and they were so impressive that, um, you know, you obviously had to keep an eye out for them. But I think as we've discussed before, you know, the schedule of having the championship after the All-Ireland doesn't suit Ballymun at all. doesn't suit any team that has uh, such a high uh, number of Dublin senior players so you know I think Jude's have benefited from that um, over the last few years as well they can they can kind of crack on with their team during the league and then really you just have to drop Kevin McManaman and over the last two years Tom Lehiff into that so you know they have a, such a very very solid structure um, and as I said you know they've become a much more uh, you know a much more developed team much more balanced team in the last couple of years so you know they were brilliant against Lucan you know Lucan were were good against Ballymun. I think Luke can probably fancy themselves going into that semi-final because, you know, that they have so much pace um, and they have a good system themselves, but they were completely dismantled by Jude's and they got very frustrated and that's what Jude's can do to you. And, and they finished the game really superbly. So, yeah, no no surprises about Croaks and only, you know, I'd still have had Jude's in the top three or four. So not, not a massive surprise when it comes to a final. Um, Barry, I guess looking back at those semi-finals, we, we're talking about uh, Connor saying there that he's not not a massive surprise that both of these teams are in the final. Certainly from the semi-finals, there was pretty much one-way traffic in both games, which was a bit of a surprise, I guess, in that regard. Certainly the Croaks-Bogan game was expected to be a lot tighter than it turned out to be. So no doubt uh, deserving winners. Neither Bowden nor Lucan really showed up in the in the semi-finals uh, and Croaks and Jews bar the late comeback from Luke and uh, Croaks and Jude pretty much easing into the final. Yeah, um, it was comprehensive victories for, for both teams, for both Kilmacud Croaks and St. Jude's. Um, I think for Croaks going into the, the Bally Bowden game, um, you know, it, it was very much the marquee uh, matchup, you know, the, probably the, the two best teams in, in the county. Uh, a lot of people would have taken that view going head to head on it. Um, and for Kilmacud Croaks going into it, they felt um, that they needed to up at a level compared to their performance against Nafina where they were um, efficient to a point but they were a little bit fortunate the way the, the, the game finished in that um, Aaron Byrne basically had a chance in injury time to, to knock Kilmacud Croaks out um, in that quarter final so um, it looked like they were peaking for a semi-final and they very much uh, back that up with that type of performance. Um, I don't think too many people expected Ballyboden to, to to fall away that easily. So um, that's a massive win for Kilmacud Croaks going into the game now and the final. And then I suppose on the other side of it, certainly you know Lucan just haven't been in that semi final uh, top four place for the last number of years, and it probably showed on the day. Um, they were fully deserving in terms of getting to that semi final with a fantastic victory against Ballymun, but. Um, 
I'd say their management team and players would have a lot of disappointment following that game that they just didn't really show up and, and, and play to their strengths. A lot of that obviously has to go to Jude's and the way they shut them down. And and that is the thing when you're playing against Jews, they do have that ability to make life very, very difficult for the opposition. And um, we've seen that for the last number of years. And, and to Connor's point, they probably haven't um, developed that enough um, to be a genuine Dublin senior uh, club title winner. Um, because, you know, it's all well and good uh, compacting your defence and, and reducing teams, but you need to be able to offer something on the other end of the pitch. And that transition of play was something that they hadn't really cracked. But I think they've developed that over the last couple of years. And you would have seen that even the last day. You know, Kevin McManaman has been such a, a key player for that team for the last number of years. Always puts in a phenomenal shift when he goes back to the club. But, um, you know, he's still hugely uh, influential in that group. But if, if you looked at, they got 118 in, in the semi-final against Luke and, and Kev just got two points in it. So they're not as reliable, uh, as reliant on Kev as they would have in previous years. And I think that's um, obviously something that will stand to Jude's going forward. Yeah, Connor. Uh, the uh, I guess the, the the three goals from Lucan sort of made it interesting, especially uh, towards the end uh, of the game, where I think they reduced the gap to four points at one stage with a few minutes to go. Um, but overall, Jude's. I mean, they went into the game as favourites and they dominated the game. That third that third quarter scoring versus I me, mean, they were I think seven two up at half time, probably deserved even further ahead. That goal right at the start of the, the second half from Brendan Gallagher, the penalty. You know made it look like this this could be interesting. That third quarter from Jews though, they, they absolutely took off and and pretty much won the game by by the second half water break. How impressed were you overall by them, by Jews in that semi-final heading into this final? Yeah, very impressed. Um like I would have liked to have seen what had happened if um CJ Smith had scored a goal when he went steaming through and, and the score was still very low on the two teams. Um just because you know if Lucan had gone ahead at that point you know, Jude's would have to have responded with something other than, you know, very sort of measured um, play, you know, that they would have had to force it maybe a small bit, would have changed the dynamic. I, I'm sure they would have responded and won the game, um, but it would have been good to say, see them kind of work themselves out of a slightly more awkward situation because because one of those games, the longer it went on, the further Jews were just going to get away from Luke. And so, um, like, they are really impressive. The only thing I will say is, you know, as good as they looked early on and... Uh, despite the fact that, um, you know, as Barry mentioned, that their scoring rate this year would be miles up on what it has been in previous years. Um, they do kind of, they, they do kind of, not that they wait to assert their authority, um, but they'll kind of grind the team down in the first half. And then as the second half goes on, like you look the last day, like what they scored in the closing stages, you know, like they kind of accelerated their rate of scoring. Um and like off the bench as well, they have a lot. They brought on Darren McLaughlin, uh, Brian Coakley, Ronan Joyce, Rob Martinez. Like they're all guys who were starting for them last year or the year before. So, you know, they're bringing real experience off the bench as well to kind of, you know, manage the games and see them through. Um, so that's why I think they're, a, you know, a really dangerous trek going into the final because, you know, their game management is, is really well. They carry the ball without any great sense of panic. They make sure the right player gets on the ball in the right situation. Um, they're very good defensively in their matchups. So in terms of the management of the team, they're incredibly well drilled. Um, and I, I think the way they're set up, it's very unlikely that Crokes, with all their firepower, regardless of you know how well their forwards have been going, 
will blow them off the park or even put up a significant lead by half time. And I think in that situation, it gives Jules a great chance because I said, you know, they're really good around the middle. They're really good at squeezing. They're really good at game management in a tight situation. Um, so I think it kind of bodes well in them going into a final. And like those bears have been like they played in so many semi-finals. Most of them have played in the final before. I don't think they'll have any um any psychological hang-ups about going into this final, or I don't think they'll see themselves as outsiders in any way. So like I think it is shaped up for a cracking final just to see even how Crokes respond to how well Jude's um set up at the back and then you know how many men that Jude's commit forward at different stages. Because there were times in the first half that Lucan were able to kick balls in from the 65 into Brendan Gallagher. And, okay, Lucan didn't win too many of them, but there was definitely space in behind there. So, you know, Jude's are no different from any other football team. You know, if you want to have a, a if you want to have a more attacking outlook, you are going to sacrifice something at the back. Um, and against Jude's, they're, they're not going to spurn the sort of chances that Lucan did the last day. Um, and Barry, then, from a Croke's point of view, I, it was one of these games where... Um, it was a kind of tight opening 10 minutes or so. And then Croaks sort of ran riot in that last 20 minutes of the first half. But it was one of those games where I looked at the scoreboard at one point and didn't, I was kind of surprised to see how far ahead Croaks were, even though they were the dominant team. It was kind of, they, they sort of kept the scoreboard ticking over pretty quickly. And suddenly it was one nine to three points at half time or something like that. Uh, it was, it was one nine to three points at half time, but it was one eight to two points or something with, with a few minutes to go. And suddenly you're like, well, this game looks like it is over. Croaks just seemed to do the job nearly nice and quietly in that first half and again won, had the game won by half time really yeah it was actually a bit similar to the Nafina game because again they seemed to build up a lead of, of one or two points to five or six points without anyone in the ground really noticing and without Nafina actually you know doing a huge amount wrong either and um, they just have that way about them that they're they're cold and they're, and they're clinical and you know they, they, they mean business in terms of, of racking up those scores and, and creating that gap Um I suppose a couple of factors really heading into to the game uh, this weekend is, is certainly, you know, Paul Mannion and how Jews are going to manage him because these teams obviously met each other in the final three years ago in 2018. And Paul Mannion gave one of the great uh, Dublin Senior County final displays. Um, I think he got one six, one seven that night and was very much the standout player, um, head of shoulders above nearly anyone else on the pitch that day. And Jude's no answer for him. So, you know, three years on, Paul Mannion is, is still playing phenomenal football. You know, in my view, he's still one of the best forwards in the country. Um, and I'm sure Desi Farrell would love to have him uh, in 2022. But um, are Jude's, uh, do Jude's have the man marker to go against them? And, and do they have a system in play whereby they can limit his effect? Um, but in, in saying that, you know, Kilmacud Croaks have been quite... Um, open in terms of the different scores across the board. I mean, Shane Cunningham got the goal the last day, um, but they have a lot of forwards who are well able to chip in with scores um, and aren't quite as overly reliant on, on, on Paul Mannion. He got four points the last day. He only got two points against Nafina. So they have a lot of firepower, but for, for Jude's to, to get the win this weekend, certainly they're going to have to nullify um, Paul Mannion's influence. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if they get their matchups right on that one, because, you know, traditionally they have got their matchups well and trying to limit it, uh, diluting the impact of, of the opposition's most dangerous man. So I think Paul Mannion's name will be spoken a lot in the Jude's dressing room this week. Connor, a word on the two defeated semi-finalists. Um... Lucan and Ballyboden St. Enders probably 
obviously they'll, they'll both be very disappointed not to get to, not to get to the final but probably uh, they'll assess the years differently Luke can probably see this as a, a positive year a huge stepping stone for them in terms of getting to a semi-final first of all the the young players they have coming through they'll probably look at this in a couple of weeks time and see this is this has been a very good year for them from a football point of view Bowden might see this though as an opportunity missed they have they have the kind of the team that you know the, the the big big names we've seen over the last number of years. Obviously, some young guys coming through as well. But Bowden probably see this more as an opportunity miss as opposed to Luke and seeing it as a as a big stepping stone for them. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Um, if you look through the Bowden team, there are an awful lot of players still around from the All Ireland winning team in 2016. Um, and I assume now with Anthony Rainbow going in with um, Glenn Ryan and Kildare, there would be a change in management. So you know when, when that like there was definitely a sense. Last year, even though they were they were resoundingly beaten in that Dublin final by Ballymun, that they still had the profile of a team that could go on and win again because they've been hugely consistent the last few years. You know, really in the league as well, they have so many players that are of a very very high level, if only slightly below intercounty level with Dublin, um, that they're able to keep going at that pace all through the year. And uh, you know, the, in the last few years, they've only really had to bring in Michael Darren McCauley, even though he wasn't around this year. Um, so like they've been a really consistent and strong team, but there are a lot of players who have been around a long time. And I think with any change of management, um, you know, with a team at that age profile, there will inevitably be, you know, some players who don't come back or, you know, the manager will come in with some new ideas. And like, I don't think Bowden will necessarily fall away. They've, they've too many good footballers to do that, but, um, maybe the team and that guys, you know, in, in, in that shape and in that style, um, will probably develop a bit between now and next year. Um, the Lucan situation is obviously very different because they are a very, very young team and they haven't been in that situation before. And, you know, I was struck by the number of players that had either played at minor or under 21 for Dublin um, at some stage. And, you know, they have an awful lot of pace there and I think they have a good setup. Um, they probably need to, you know, like Brendan Gallagher, his scoring was absolutely off the charts this year. I thought Harry Ladd, you know, did a great job as well of, of taking an awful lot of sort of heat on himself um, as an inside forward. So, like, to me, um, like Luke and are definitely a coming team. You have to remember that they did what they did without Emma O'Connell as well, who would have had a, a very strong midfield partnership with Darren Gavin if he was fully fit. And they have a very sound defensive setup. So I think, you know, if, the, if, if there's another forward or two to come through from Luke and they'll definitely be a force over the next few years. And look, beating Ballymoon as county champions, um, with all the talent and all the all the very sort of exalted players that they have, that's a huge step for that team to make, you know, because they've been kind of skirting on the fringes of that, you know. Um, they're very much a Division One side, but they haven't been a Dublin semi-final side. And I think they probably consider themselves to be that now, and, and justly so. Okay, good stuff. It's time for part one of our club focus for this week, and it's the St. Jude's chairman, Gareth Evans, now to uh, start us off to tell us all about the great work being done at St. Jude's uh, and the work that's gone on at senior level as well as uh, their senior footballers prepare for uh, to compete for senior one football honours this weekend. Okay, I'm joined now by the St. Jude's chairman, Gareth Evans, here for our club focus uh, this week ahead of the go-ahead Dublin Senior One football final. St. Jude's taking on Chemical Croaks this Sunday afternoon at a quarter past three at Parnell Park. Gareth, thanks a million for joining us this week. Yeah, thanks, Derek. Thanks for having us. And plenty of excitement this week, I'm sure, around the club, around the Temple Oak area ahead of the uh, county final this Sunday afternoon. 
Yeah, look, there's this this huge huge anticipation, you know. Um the county finals like are few and far between. It's, you don't get them very often, and when you do, it's it's um it's usually after a number of years of, of hard work uh, and effort. So, you know, really want to kind of make the most of the, the experience. Um and, and as I say, there's huge anticipation around the, the community, around the parish, uh, within the schools, etc. And, and in and around the club. So really, really looking forward to it. Um, it's, it's you know, I suppose it's not that long since we were in the last one. 2018, we were there, uh, the same opponents, Killing Club Croaks. So uh, we, we came out the wrong side of that one. So hopefully we can right that wrong this weekend and, and uh, really have uh, something to celebrate. Yeah, big time. Um, I guess we'll we'll get into the, the what it means to be in the county final in a few minutes' time. But first of all, just tell us about the club for people who don't know where, where St. Jude's are and when you were formed. Tell us a little bit about the, the history of uh, of St. Jude's. Yeah. Um, well, basically, we're, you know, we're, Jude's is a, a club. It's a, it's a dual club. We're based in uh, Temple Oak in the kind of southwest of the city. Um, we're formed in 1978, so, you know, 43-odd years ago. Um, and I suppose despite our relatively short history, um, we've grown to be a reasonably large club um, in, in that short period of time. And we have one of the best representations of, of teams in the county playing across uh, all ages and all codes. Um, but I suppose, that, you know, despite that, like we, we've, we've grown quite quick, but we've still retained a small club community based mindset. Um, and the members there are always keen to volunteer and help around the club or, or get involved. So. Um, yeah, it's great that we have that kind of real community community mindset there. Um, I suppose given our location, you know, on the, the outskirts, the southwest side of the city, uh, we, we're a rich blend of kind of Dublin and country influences um, due to the people, you know, country people that would have settled there and, and would have been a big part of um, how we were formed. So, you know, we're no unusual, no, no different really to, to Ireland as a nation, you know, we've a, a huge diaspora members spread across the world um and and back down the country and but you know we're often often from visitors that come up to to see us you know we're often likened to a, a small rural club rather than a large urban one by the 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 people that come due to the kind of culture and atmosphere that they experience in in Jude's. so yeah look we're really proud of our, i suppose our short history um we are a progressive club we're reactive to change but also ambitious of succeeding at the highest level um, and I suppose we, we've spent the last 15 years at juvenile level, level focused on kind of recruiting, developing, retaining uh, the adult players of the future. So uh, this is this is a big motivation for for our club. And, and, you know, in terms of in terms of recruiting more players and bringing them in and, and getting them really excited about where the club's going in the future. Um, and I suppose, in, you know, look, in saying that, I suppose the overriding ethos of the club is, is one of inclusivity. Um, and all children are encouraged and nurtured regardless of ability uh, and we're focused on the kind of social development as, as much as the games development um but yeah it's 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 a great a great a great little club i'd, I'd call it but uh probably large in, in terms of numbers great stuff um we'll get a little bit more uh, detail from you about the about the juvenile work that you've you've put in over the past uh, number of years i guess First thing, though, I mean, it is county final weekend this weekend. You mentioned you were in the county final back in 2018, so it's not that long ago. But still, um, a lot's happened in the, in the intervening three years from a COVID point of view and everything like that. So tell us what it means for the club to be back in a senior one football final this weekend 
especially like I say after after all the restrictions that, and everything that we faced over the past year and a half. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's absolutely huge. I mean, like we're, we're formed in 1978. You know, our first final was in 2009 in in in, in adult football in senior senior one football. And that was against Bally Bowden, and and obviously we we didn't get over the line that that day, you know it was it was nine long years, 2018, till we got to the next one, uh, and another four, well, to, to now to 2021, so they're hard fought, you know, um, there's 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 a lot of work and effort both with the backroom team, the players themselves, uh, that goes into to achieving this, you know, and I suppose. Going to, coming out the back of COVID, you know, the, the huge excitement now is about going to the game, watching live games, being there to 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 you know soak in the atmosphere and and the experience, um, and really kind of enjoy the, the the final. Um, so yeah, look, huge, huge anticipation and, and really looking forward to it. Um, it's look, it's a credit to the the players as well who kind of you know throughout COVID, um, and and you know the various different restrictions that were imposed. Uh, which meant kind of you know training wasn't allowed. They had to kind of train individually on their own, maintain a certain level of fitness, um, and and obviously it's more difficult on your own. Um, you can't. There's certain things you can't kind of maybe uh, practice or 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 develop um, when you're training on your own. But you know, huge huge resilience shown by players, you know, across all teams um, to do that uh, and to try and kind of keep going and and wait for the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess you've spoken there about the work that you're doing at juvenile level already. You've done at juvenile level over the past uh, 20 years or so and at underage level to get to where you are today, where you're competing in county finals pretty pretty regularly over the past decade or so. Tell us about that work that's gone on at the club from an underage level point of view, the underage structures point of view uh, over the past maybe 15 or 20 years to get to a point where you're where you are today. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, like, there's been huge, huge effort there, um, as you say, over the last 15 years. Um, you know, e- even in the last the last four years, you know, we've gone from probably 700 juvenile members to about 1,400 in 2021. Um, so we've probably doubled them in, in, in that short space of time. Um, but, you know, it goes back to, it goes back about 15 years ago where there was a, an emphasis placed on developing the, the academy or the nursery, as it was called at the time, within the club. Um, and, and bringing you know lots of, of kids in to to develop and, and play Gaelic games. So um, we started to grow our numbers. Obviously, it's it's a that's a that's a long term project. You know, you got It's a long time before they get from four or five years of age when they start the academy to to coming out the other end. But um, you know, we stuck with it. Um, we've built our numbers gradually uh, over that period of time, and now we've probably got to we've probably got those four or five year olds that started 15 years ago, we've got them through as far as um, minor now. So we're going to really start to kind of reap the rewards of, of that work over the next couple of years as those players enter into adults. Um, you know, the club itself now at the moment is, is two thousand. just in 2021, we, we broke the, the 2000 members mark. Um, and you know, there's 1400 of those are, are juvenile players. Uh, across boys and girls and we've probably 500 in in the current academy now which would be seven years of age and below um so it's you know the, 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 there's lots of there's lots of uh, bright hope for the future i suppose in, in in terms of those numbers there um 
Yeah, that's fantastic to see. Um, and then I guess like, we, we, we've obviously your footballers are in the senior one football final this weekend. Uh, they've been in a couple of senior one finals over the past uh, you know, decade or so. Your senior hurlers have been in uh, senior finals as well. And I guess the big success from, from the, your club's point of view is your, is your Camogie, senior Camogie team who have just won the uh, senior Camogie title for Dublin. That's their third title in four years, I think. So they have been a huge success for yourself. So obviously that work that you are putting in at underage and juvenile level over the past 10 or 15 years is already beginning to bear fruit from a, from a, a senior point of view in terms of your, your county final appearances and county final titles as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, that, as you said, there are three senior A Camogie titles uh, out, of, out of the last four years and, and two of those back-to-back in, in 2020 and 21. Um, and I suppose it is it is a very young team. You know, there's 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 a lot of girls on that team who are who are, are also playing minor. Um, they're representing Dublin. Um, Ashling Ashling and Claire Gannon, who are the actually the the joint twin, they're twins and joint captains of the the Dublin minor Camogie team as well. Um, and Ellie Young, who who play on the, the senior team uh, for Jude. So, you know, it's a huge achievement for a, quite a young um, group of girls. Um, and great to see that they'll actually go on to, to play the first or well, they'll go on to play in Leinster. First of all, in the 2020 Leinster competition, be played, and, and that'll, the first round of that is on the 27th of November at the end of the month. Um, the ladies footballers were also successful this year at, at, at junior championship level in, in October, uh, and they're also playing uh, the quarterfinal of Leinster against Screen, um, which will actually be on the 28th of November. So, you know, there's 12. It's great. They're great achievements. They're great to get through to Leinster, and that's the real business end of the competition you want to be at. And um, I suppose what's slightly frustrating is that uh, the ladies footballers are out on the 28th of November with the Camogie on the 27th. Um, two really huge, important games that would be very, very competitive. 24 hours apart, and we've we've 12 girls playing uh, who are dual players playing on both teams. So, you know, I, I recognise the effort that's been done at Camogie. County board level to you know run pilots at under thirteen and under fourteen, and um, you know between Kabogi board and Elgif Bay to kind of harmonise a fixer schedule. But um, you know, hugely frustrating that that that, that you know that the, the fixer schedules aren't a little bit more sympathetic. But look, we'll get on with it. We'll enjoy the experience, um, and then the Kabogi also the Kabogi girls had the opportunity then next February uh, to play the to, to play the Leinster round um, of the twenty twenty one championship the one there but you know as i said they're a young team they're, they've got a bright few years ahead of them and and hopefully hopefully a few more titles in them as well absolutely um and i guess you know the the, the success from the senior camogie uh team and you know danny Sutcliffe is obviously um the dublin senior hurling captain and has been uh, one of our star players uh, for the last decade or so Kev McManaman has done such great work, obviously, with the senior footballers over the past decade or so. So you have real big superstars, really, um, and huge characters in the club who I'm sure you will hope will inspire the next generation of, of underage and juvenile players to try and match uh, what they've been doing, um, even at senior level for the, for the club and for the county as well. So I'm sure you've got plenty of characters there who can, like I say, try and inspire the next generation. Yeah, no, absolutely, and you know, like Danny, Danny's said there, he's been, he's been, you know, one of the main 
the main players at a, at a county level now for the like he, he won an all-star in 2013 um for dublin he's he's been nominated again this year so so hopefully he can he can hopefully he can get get a second one um hannah hegarty is also the the captain of the dublin camogie team this year and we got good representation um, of players on that team uh, and now also uh, Domi fox is the the manager there who would have been the who's, who's the manager of the camogie team in the club as well so a uh, great crossover and as you say with kev on the footballer is now tom lehiff who's the captain of the senior football team playing on sunday uh tom tom featuring regularly for for desi side and, and the dubs so you know we do have yeah we've great characters there and and they're real kind of club club people you know like hannah was out doing training before school with with groups of kids last week danny danny's out with the under 21 um hurlers and footballers over the weekend and the, and the weekend before so you know they all get involved they all get their get stuck into helping that next generation and being the kind of role models you know for the future um which which is really kind of promising and, and it's really part of like what we do in the club you know it's, it's that community that community approach um and, and you know no team is an island but you know we all kind of get in stuck in and help each other out um, so look, it's great to see, and, and it's great to see that them getting the recognition of of what they've achieved at a county level, um, on a, on, a, on a national stage, you know. So, yeah, it's fantastic to see. Um, like every club, I'm sure you got plenty of challenges that you face as well on a day to day, week to week, month to month, and year to year basis. Uh, notwithstanding COVID, even leaving COVID aside, that that everybody faced. Tell us about some of those challenges that you face as a club now. Yeah, I mean, look, we're lucky enough that, um, you know, we've just come out of a period of um, facilities development, a facilities development plan that we've kind of um, come towards the end of now. You know, we, we've developed a, a main um, main championship pitch uh, within Time and Park, which which is the South Dublin County Council uh, facility. So, you know, we partnered with them to develop the, a sand-based um, irrigated pitch that is a lot, a lot flatter than it used to be. Um, it used to be, maybe be a bit of a, a competitive advantage for us because no clubs like to come to play there um but but you know we flattened that pitch now it's fully drained it's got an irrigation system on it and that's you know full kind of crow park size dimensions um so it's absolutely fabulous to have that as an asset and we also resurfaced our all-weather pitch um just recently um september 2020 that that reopened uh, and in in the period over covid which was Quite challenging at times due to the restrictions on on construction work, but we we managed to complete the development of a, a, new, a new gym, um, and also a skills pitch and a new ball alley, um, for which which has become you know it's used more morning, noon, and night at the moment, um, and it has lights on it. But you know even despite kind of developing all those new facilities, the biggest challenge for us is 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 actually um, training facilities and. You know, I heard I heard other people on similar on the podcast previously saying the same thing. And but it, within Dublin, within that urban environment, uh, and particularly where we're located, just inside the M50, you know, th- there's not huge tracts of, of of green space that are that are available for for sale or or you know or or available to kind of partner with someone to develop. So it, it's very very difficult. Um, and particularly at this time of year, you know, it's great being at the latter stages of all the championships, but. You know, when you're at this time of year, you, you need to be training under lights, and you know the access to facilities just is is very very difficult. It's a huge challenge. You know, like the, the, that senior football group have been travelling to, um, they've travelled to Carlow, Wicklow, uh, up to Louth, just just to get training under lights. So, um, 
it's it's a huge it's a huge um it's a huge challenge for the future going forward but it's something look we're trying to we're putting we're putting a group together to try and address it um and, and try and kind of you know because our, our numbers aren't getting any smaller um, and we're just going to need more and more facilities like a really good example and it links back to that kind of juvenile development piece is that like our under 16 team that's that's leaving now in 2020 2021 to go into under 17 for 2022 there's there's 25 boys leaving juvenile and 20 girls leaving juvenile and coming in the bottom the bottom end of, at under eight we've got a group with 90 boys and a group with 70 girls so you know you're losing 45 up to adults and um, but you're gaining 160 out of the academy so it's you know and that that's going to be you know that's that's going to be kind of uh, uh the norm i suppose in in the years to come so yeah it's 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 probably the biggest thing we're facing at the moment okay and again you're right there's a that's a challenge it seems to be for a lot of um a lot of clubs that we've spoken to over the past few weeks have been kind of talking about the same thing, those kind of challenges in terms of trying to, to get land for, for training and for playing as well. And uh, hopefully you, you can, you can uh, maintain and, and keep growing that success because, again, you, you've spoken there about the great work being done uh, at club level in terms of building the gym and all that kind of thing as well. So it's fantastic to see the club continue to grow, but you can only grow so far if you have limited amount yeah. of land. For a lot of people around the area, I'm sure plenty of people around the Temple Oak area who would like to get involved with St. Jude's, but maybe don't know how to do that or what they would be needed for as well. Uh, have you had any advice for people uh, around the area who would like to uh, to get involved and volunteer with St. Jude's? Yeah, I mean, the thing is that, yeah, look, there's, there's absolutely lots of... Um, lots of initiatives for people to get involved with and um, we're, we're a very active club both you know on the playing side but also in the community and um, we're, we're quite progressive um, and and there's, there's plenty of roles for for different people to do regardless of what your, your kind of skill set or your background is um so you know the the easiest way to do it is is you know you can go onto our website which is www.stjudesga.ie and there's a contact section there where you can um, get contact details for for various different people on the, on the different committees and, uh, and and structures, um, or else just kind of drop up over the weekend. That you know the the place is always open, the clubhouse is always open. There's lots of activity and there's lots of people around Saturday and Sunday mornings um, and throughout the week. So we're 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 always there and we're always open to um, having a chat with someone. Um, you know, and as I said, you know, it's not just games based activity like. We've got an active men's shed club there who assists with the maintenance of facilities, run computer classes, Spanish lessons, choral sessions. Um, you know, we recently started the Jude's Giant Team, which um, offers participation in Gaelic games for kids with additional learning needs. Um, and there's great work ongoing there. Um, you know, we've other different drama groups, cards, uh, bingo. And um, there's lots that there's lots to do for for lots of different people. And and we also like we look to run kind of um, help support running charitable events uh, and raising funds for, for different good causes. So, you know, th there's plenty of stuff to do there, even if your background isn't in Gaelic games. And uh, if it is, you know, um, we're, we're always happy to, to get new people on board um, and get new faces around the place. So, so um, yeah, definitely look us up. Yeah. St. Jude's GA.ie is the website to have a look at. And like I say, plenty of activities, both, on the pitch, uh, from a GA point of view and off the pitch, as you mentioned, there are all those great activities taking place. So it's a, yeah. a real community hub 
uh, around there. So stjudesga.ie is the website. Uh, have a look at that for any information. Gareth, thank you very much for joining us this week ahead of uh, what's sure to be an exciting weekend this weekend in the go-ahead Dublin Senior 1 football final against Chemical yeah. Brooks. Wish you the very best of luck uh, both this weekend and also going forward with everything you're doing at the, at the club as well. Yeah. So, no, definitely thanks for having us on, Derek. And I just want to wish uh, Garrett Roach and Jerry Carty all, and, and all the seniors all the best this weekend and, and just say huge thanks to the, the team sponsors, DNG and, and Keith Lowe, who's the chief executive there. So for all their support and generosity. Um, so it's, it's been a huge help to us in, in, in achieving our goals. But ho hopefully we do achieve our goals this weekend. So Thanks, Gareth. Okay, welcome back. Now let's uh, take a look at Sunday's final. Um, Barry, we'll start with yourself. In terms of the matchups, we've spoken already about some of the key players uh, on both teams. Where do you see the battles uh, on the pitch this weekend uh, that will win or lose the game for either team? Who do you see as being the, the kind of the, the key players and the key uh, the key matchups this weekend? Yeah, well, I suppose with any big game, you know, midfield is going to be crucial. Um, not just with the two midfielders, but more around that middle eight, um, particularly in modern day football now, whereby, you know, goalkeepers don't necessarily go and, and try and kick it 60, 70 yards too often. Um, they're looking for different kickout strategies, whether it's out to the wings or maybe just a, a chip 25 yard kick out to a corner back and try and build the attack from there. But I mean, a, a couple of guys in particular to, to look out for who will probably be matched up against each other would be Craig Diaz for Kilmacud Croaks and Collie Murphy from um, St. Jude's, two guys that would have been on our 2011 all Ireland winning panel under Pat Gilroy. I mean, two really good guys, um, very high standard, very uh, well committed to their clubs over the last number of years, and have been putting in some great uh, performances year in out, year in year out over the last number of years. And mentioned about Kevin McManaman, you know, still competing and fighting for that Dublin Senior Championship medal, but. Likewise with, with Collie Murphy, who's been there um, all through it and has a number of campaigns under his belt. So, um, you know, Collie Murphy is a, is a very reliable player for Jude in that he, he is he is that go-to guy if, if they do need to win a kickout. Um, you know, Paul Copeland in, in goals would have a very good relationship with him in terms of uh, rehearsing those kickouts. They've done it hundreds of times at this stage down through the years. And then with Craig Diaz, very impressed with him the last couple of days. He he seems to get on a lot of really a lot of good ball and use it really well. And obviously he has that athleticism as well to get forward. And he and he's very composed when he does get into the opposition half. He knows when to take on a score himself, and then he also knows when to draw a man and try and slip it to to one of the more prolific scorers as well. So I think those two guys coming up against each other will be interesting because they know each other very well as well going back to the UCD days. So certainly looking forward to that matchup. Yeah, and Connor, where do you see the game, I guess, being won and lost insofar as the, one key battle maybe that, that uh, one team needs to win over the other if they're going to win the, win this game? I think there's probably a couple of things. Um, like There's a couple of areas that I think that the two teams will look to try and exploit or certainly uh, make hay. You know, the, the question about Mannion, I think his performances over the last couple of years for Croaks it's nearly like, you know, we're into Dermot Connolly territory with, with St. Vincent's a few years ago, you know, when he was nearly the dominant character in the game. You know, he was going to decide who won and lost the game. But the reason I think it's interesting is, um, you know, I know Barry was talking about the last time they met in the county final when uh, I think it was Kieran Fitzpatrick marked uh, Mannion. 
Um, well, I think Mannion stayed an awful lot inside that day, and I don't think that's likely to happen um, on Sunday. I think he'd probably play sort of at 11 for a lot of the game um, and come out and try and win a lot of the ball. And when he gets in that situation, you know, if he's one-on-one with his man, he'll take him on. Uh, if he's not, he can lay it off and try and create an overlap. Um, and then sometimes if he gets the ball in along the end line, he'll just burn his man. And if he gets onto his left foot, he's basically unstoppable. So that will be an interesting one because, um, you know, I don't think if he lines out at 11, I don't think it's going to be Mark Sweeney that tries to follow him around Parnell Park. I think it'll probably be one of the inside backs, maybe um, uh, Ocean Manning or Alex Hassett. Um, and I'm sure in that situation, Manning will try and drag them all over Parnell Park. I think for Jude's one of the big areas where they can um, and they have done in, in the past had big um, gains is their two wing backs, Tom Lehiff and Chris Guckian. You know, both of them are very, very athletic. Uh, Guckian's got a very good left foot. Uh, Lehiff is very good at breaking tackles. Um, and you can see a lot when they move the ball in moves that not break down, but they have to um, maybe stop and go again after a ball carrier gets prevented from making any progress they can come very quickly off the wing. Um, so, you know, it'll be up to Crokes whether they kind of follow those players around the pitch or where they, you know, Crokes tend to leave at least four forwards up at all times. Um, you know, I think it's the reason why they have such a good spread of scorers, whether it's Cunningham or Horan or Darren Mullen or Hugh Kenny as well as Mannion. Um, but they're, they're, you know, their wing forwards, whether it's, uh, you know, Tom Fox or Shane Cunningham or Shane Horan or whoever it is, they're going to have to make sure that they follow Guckian or Tom Lehiff because even if they don't score themselves, you know, they can break a line and they can create an overlap. And, um, you know, Jude's are really, really uh, ruthless when they get into that sort of situation. So, you know, I think they're probably two of the big areas where the teams will be looking to make big gains on Sunday. Yeah, Barry Connor mentioned there, I guess, the, the spread of scores. I think Chemical Croaks had eight scores the last day. You've spoken already about the fact that, you know, Paul Mannion, and, and as Connor mentioned, Paul Mannion is, is going to be maybe the key player in the game this weekend. But they don't, I mean, against Nafina and the last day against uh, Bally Bowden, he wasn't, he, he wasn't maybe as prolific on the scoreboard as, uh, even though he was man of the match the last day, he wasn't maybe as prolific on the scoreboard. Uh, he's had four points the last day. Shane Cunningham struggled one, two. The likes of Tom Fox, Connor Ferris, Darren Mullen, uh, Hugh Kenny as well. Other options for them right across the forward line. So uh, there's a good spread of scores, I guess, for both teams. But looking at Chemical Croaks, first of all, it's not just about maybe marking, you know, keeping Mannion quiet because there are other options there for Croaks to, to put some scores on the board as well. Yeah, certainly. I mean, with Paul Mannion at the moment, he's still the most influential player on the pitch, um, even though he may not be racking up the, the high scores that he had two, three years ago when he played closer to the opposition goal. Um, Shane Horn is one player that has impressed me, certainly this year. Um, the awfully guy, he seems very well balanced around that half forward line. He's well able to get back and get the tackles in and, and, and make interceptions, but he has an eye for a score as well. He got two points the last day. I think he got two as well in the first half of the quarterfinal against Nafina. Um, so he's a guy that um, certainly um, Jews will be looking, uh, will need to keep an eye on. And, you know, any of the wing backs bombing forward and, and trying to create overlaps, they, they certainly will need to keep an eye on him because he does have that eye for a score. But one guy in particular that has impressed me is Darren Mullen. I think he is a guy that they need to get as much quick ball into as possible. 
Um, I think over the last couple of days he has had the beating of his man. Um, he got a brilliant goal against Nafina um, towards the, the end of the first half. The way he turned and finished that was was top class. And I think if Crokes can get on as much early ball into him as possible, it will certainly um, help them in terms of trying to get that victory. And, and Shane Cunningham as well, he got a really good goal the last day. He actually looks a bit like Paul Mannion in terms of how he moves and getting on the ball. He's now become a very much a key player for them over the last couple of years. And again, he's, he, he not only can link the play, he can actually has an eye for a score as well. So there's a few um, matchups there for Jude's where by the management team will really have to do, get the, do their homework. And, and I mean, they know the Cokes team probably inside out at this stage, haven't played them for the last number of years. But, you know, that can go a long way to seeing who actually comes out on top. Yeah, and then Connor, from a Jude's point of view, uh, we've spoken already about maybe their their move away from the reliance on on Kev McManaman, um, and you know the last day I think they had ten scores the last day. Uh, Noel Coakley with one, two, David Mannix four points, Pascal Anne scored in three as well from midfield, but they also had three scores off the bench quite late in the game when the game was somewhat still in the mix. Uh, following, I think it was a third of of uh, Lucan's penalties, um, they got three points from Seamus Ryan. Uh, uh, Brian Coakley and Dylan McLaughlin off the bench uh, quite late in the game. How important? Well, first of all, again, they have a good spread of, of scores, St. Jude's as well. So that, that, that'll kind of say a lot about it in, in terms of you don't just mark out, for example, Noel Coakley or Kev Mack and, and win the game. But second of all, how important will the benches be this weekend for both teams? Yeah, like I, I would expect it's going to be very tight coming down, you know, the stretch. I can't imagine either team... Um, you know, doing what they did in their semi-finals, I just think they're too well kind of matched up for that to happen. So inevitably, the bench will come in into it in some degree. I mean, the level of fitness that are in these club sides now, I'm not sure whether you know you have. They're they're both fairly young teams. You know, like I'm not sure you'll have too many fellas wilting out there. So you know, if they do kind of resort to their bench, I think it'll be to change it up a bit. But it is a big thing with Jews this year. Like I mentioned it earlier, they they do have. Um, quality on the bench, you know, like you you looked at the the Jude's bench versus the Lucan bench the last day, and if, you know if Jude's were ahead going into the the final uh, stretch, they were always going to finish with a better team than Lucan were. So that is a big thing, particularly to have forwards in that sort of situation, and and the style of those forwards that you mentioned, um, when they come on, you know, when an opposition is chasing the game and there's more there's more space in behind, they're really good at exploiting them. Um, so for me, like the. You know, the really impressive thing about Jude's is how they're set up, you know. Um, you know, they always look like they're very well rehearsed when they carry the ball as to what their options are going to be. You know, there's they tend not to you know, there's not too much kind of ponderous fellas standing around the midfield wondering where the runner is going to be or, you know, which player is going to come towards them. They're really well drilled that way. And I think, you know, when your bench is in tune with that, when they come on and there's a bit more space, they can really go to now. But I don't really see it as a game where a bench is going to win it for either team. You know, you've Callum Pearson on the bench for um, for Chemical Croaks. And, uh, you know, the last time they won the championship, he was one of their better forwards. So, you know, I, I think they're probably both pretty well matched there. Um, but I just I don't see maybe the, the two sets of subs having as big an influence on this final. OK, let's hear briefly from both camps now ahead of uh, Sunday's game. First up, it's the Chemical Crooks camp. OK, I'm joined by Chemical Croaks captain Shane Cunningham ahead of the go-ahead Dublin Senior 1 football final this weekend against St. Jude's. Uh, Shane, it's a very exciting time for the club. Obviously, the senior hurlers at the weekend winning the go-ahead Dublin Senior A hurling title. So uh, plenty of excitement around the club. I'm sure you're hoping to continue that excitement and success this weekend. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was a great win for the Hurlers. I was here on Saturday night, uh, stunning comeback. Um, and we also had the minor footballers won on Sunday morning as well. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a great week for the club and, and hopefully we can continue it on, on, on the weekend. Um, this year, how do you assess your campaign overall? Even the last couple of games, for example, uh, the game against Nafina in the quarterfinal, you had to eke out that result right at the very end to get through to the semi-final. And the semi-final, such an impressive performance against Ballyboden, two very different games. How do you assess your season overall heading into this final? Yeah, absolutely. And even in the group stages of the championship, we had a tough, tough group stages. Uh, Castlenlock, Vincent's and Ballantyre. Uh, so when we came into the quarterfinal against Athena, uh, we, we knew it was going to be a tough game. We had lost them in the league final um, and it was a very, very close game. Um, I'm sure anyone who remembers watching it, we cleared the ball off the line in the last minute. So we were very lucky. Um, and then uh, against Bowden, yeah, we, we performed well in the day. Uh, probably everything went our way on the day, like you know. Uh, so it was, it was a strong performance. Um, so... For us, it was about parking that and preparing for Jude's, so hopefully we can do that. Um, what do you expect from St Jude's on Sunday? Uh, I look, Jude's, they're, they're a great unit. They don't rely heavily on any one, one or two players, you know, so um, it's going to be a tight, tight game, I think. Uh, I, I can see it going down to the last five minutes and a one-score game, personally. And finally, um, we've had we've seen the the bunting and the flags up around Chemical Croaks over the past couple of weeks, obviously with the hurling final last weekend, and they've stayed up for this uh, game this weekend as well. Great support here uh, last Saturday night for the hurlers against Nafina in the hurling final. I'm sure you're looking forward to getting the same sort of support this Sunday afternoon as well. Yeah, absolutely. Look, seeing all the colours around Slorgan drive through, it's a great boost for all of us. Um, that they, they put a massive effort into doing that in the schools and St. Lawrence's and stuff like that. Like, so it, it's absolutely brilliant to see it all um, throughout Slorgan, Like, and, and hopefully we can get as, as much support on Sunday as possible. Um, like from our friends, family, and, and, and the kids and everything. Like, so yeah, no, we're looking forward to it. OK, joined by Tom Lehiff, the St. Jude's captain ahead of the go-ahead Dublin Senior 1 football final against Chemical Croaks. Tom, uh, an exciting week for the club leading up to this uh, county final on Sunday. Yeah, definitely. Uh, St. Jude's has a big community spirit uh, and we're on a good run of form after the ladies football and the and the ladies camogie team doing really well and winning their final. So we're hoping we can go, go something similar to that and get the victory on Sunday. You've obviously experience of uh, major finals with Dublin. You played in the 2020 All-Ireland final. You played in Leinster finals, All-Ireland semi-finals. How does this compare in terms of the build-up to a major final that, that this is obviously this weekend as well? Yeah, of course, with any sort of big final or big day out, there's going to be a lot of noise there uh, in the background. So we're just trying to stick as, as a unit together, trying hard together and then try to park that now uh, during the week and enjoy it as well at, at, at the same time you know it's it's not every 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 year we get to a county final you know so it's just important that we, we enjoy the occasion as well been a lot of talk I guess this year about the uh, about the change of style that St Jude's have had this year maybe in terms of a bit more creative in attack scoring more maybe than you have 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 done in previous years how do you assess your your season overall and your campaign overall heading into this county final yeah, look, we had a shaky start maybe at, uh, in, in the group stages. Uh, with it, we opened up with a draw to Lucan and then just about got over the line against Plunkett's but, but from there, we've we've got ourselves together and we've, and we've been playing well uh, and we're building week on week. Uh, the big thing, yeah, as you mentioned, we've, we've been scoring a lot more than we have. And that's probably the full forward line there and Alan Connolly, Dave and, and Niall have really took on the mantle this year and and provided scores in key moments, like you know. So we're we're hoping that they'll they'll step up again now come Sunday. What can you expect from Chemical Croaks on Sunday? 
I, you know what you get from Kraus. Uh, they're they're a top team. They've a lot of they've a lot of good lads that will need uh, minding. Uh, and even you seen uh, with our hurlers, they'll probably have a never say die attitude come Sunday. So it's about just making sure that we can play our own game and 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 hopefully come out the right side of it. Okay, welcome back. Um, Barry, we've spoken about uh, that Jude style of play. We've spoken about it already in this podcast. We've spoken about it earlier on in the, in the uh, season as well uh, here on the Go Ahead Dublin Club Championship podcast. Uh, how has their style changed? What have they done to, to change uh, how they play? Because they've been so well known as this maybe dogged defensive team that's very hard to beat, but maybe, maybe a small bit struggles up top. That's changed around this year. What have they done and how have they managed to kind of change that style of play where they are now racking up big scores? I mean, 114 against Lucan in the opening in the opening game, 317 against Plunkett's, 223, I think it is against Lusk, 314 versus Thomas Davis, and 118 versus Lucan. Big scores on the scoreboard over the past uh, number of weeks. So how have they yeah. managed to do that? Um a, a couple of ways really. I, I think they have committed um to having more forwards up there in the opposition half on, on a regular basis there was times there in previous years gone past where they could have all 15 players back inside their own half and I, I played against dudes in the championship around twice around 2015 and 16 and it was a very very difficult team to to score against and break down because they had so many bodies back in in, in that situation so um i think they have now committed to having at least three forwards up there at all times which obviously can be four or five and they're able to enter um interswap them as well at various stages depending on who that might be so i think number one is is committing to have those bodies up front secondly i think just their transition of play is a lot quicker and um, they seem to be very good at, at looking to kick past the ball out of their defense with a view to having guys on their shoulders making those hard runs and bursts um as a sort of overlap to get into the opposition half previously again there maybe would have been a little bit too ponderous um in my view um around sideways hand passing and taking that extra hop or solo that's maybe not required and i think now um they feel comfortable in in the sort of skill set amongst the team that lads are able to play that 30 yard kick pass get a guy in the shoulder and really break at pace so i think those are the main two reasons for for them racking up the higher scores and i think there was probably their realization on their part a couple of years ago to say that look our defensive system we're very comfortable with it we're very compact we can certainly limit opposition and it can get us to a certain stage of maybe a quarter final semi-final but realistically is it are we going to be able to score enough against the best teams in the dublin championship to win win a, a county title and they had come on come up short on a couple occasions in that and like they've beaten all the best teams over the last number of years but they haven't been able to do it at, at that consistent level on, on the big day so i think they they out of necessity really they had to change it a little bit and maybe move slightly away from that overly defensive system whereby they're able to rack up you know maybe a 113 114 in a final which could be enough to win as opposed to maybe racking up that you know, 10, 11 points that, you know, was never going to win a, a final against the likes of Croke. So um, I'm sure they're going to try and apply that on uh, at the weekend again. Yeah, Connor, you've mentioned already maybe about the fact that 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 uh, more attacking outlook, I guess, uh, would lead them open to the back. But at the same time, they have been very resolute defensively as well. And we saw that the last day they gave nothing away against Lucan. Uh, 
how have they kind of maintained that? It's, it's the balance that every kind of team wants, that kind of creativity up top, the attacking threat up top, but still staying strong at the back. How have they maintained that defensive resoluteness, if that's even a word, um, to, uh, to be able to push forward and, to, and, still, and create more without, without giving up too much at the back? Yeah, well, I think that's going to be tested this weekend because the one thing the Croaks tend to do is move the ball very quickly. Um, you know, they have targets inside. They tend to kick the ball. They tend to give their forwards a chance. Um, you know, in the past, you could nearly, you know, by modern Gaelic, elite Gaelic football standards, you could nearly accuse them of being reckless um, because, you know, there's such a high percentage chance of giving away possession. Um, so what that does is it gives the opposition less time to actually get their defence set up because you're moving the ball quickly um, from midfield into the forwards. You know, because you look at Jude's middle eight, you know, particularly with Tom Lehiff and Mark Sweeney there, they're very good kick-out options to press the opposition's kick-out. Um, but if they're kind of coming up into midfield looking for uh, a break or to try and win a kick-out and then croaks win the ball and all of a sudden they're trying to move it quickly into their forward line, you know, you have to make sure that you have cover there. So how have they done it? They have very good defenders um, and they have a very, very good system. Um, and in terms of numbers, like there will be times, like I would be certain that if Croaks get a run of three or four points in a row on Sunday, um, like most teams, Jude's aren't alone in doing this, but Jude's would be able to um, stop the bleeding by kind of resorting to a very kind of structured low block with a lot of players um, slowing down. Uh, Kimball could croak, certainly trying to slow down their rate of scoring. But that's not going to win them the game. Um, what's going to win them, win them the game is, um, you know, their ability to to match Crokes scoring over the, the 60 minutes. And to do that, they are going to have to, I think, leave slight gaps at the back. So, look, it's the first time I think they'll come under um, that sort of pressure. You know, Crokes will leave men up front. They will try and hit them very early with ball. Um so it's, I think it's the ultimate test of whether Jews have struck the right balance. Because, like, to their credit, you know, they did get the defensive side of things right. You look at what they had conceded going into maybe not last year, the year before, and it was something like nine points a game. It was incredibly, incredibly low. So they had mastered that side of it, you know, as close as you can master the art of defending. Um, you know, the, the obvious area to go after was the one that they have addressed. So I suppose it goes back to my first point about Jude that I think the impressive thing about them is, Every year that they have been beaten, um, there has been no major collapse in what they're trying to do. You know, there was no tearing up of a script. Um, there was no massive breakup of the team. They've just picked up the following year where they left off and tried to improve it. And I think they've done that steadily now to the point where, you know, we're talking about them as viable champions on Sunday. Um, I guess, Barry, one word to describe blue uh, Jews rather um, over the last number of years has been dogged and maybe that was something I, I was speaking to Robbie Brennan uh, after the uh, Nafina win again in the quarterfinal and he was delighted by just how they were dogged in that game they could easily have lost that game on a couple of occasions uh, right at the very end and Aaron Byrne had a, had a goal chance and there's a couple of other opportunities as well for Nafina to maybe snatch that that win he was delighted by the spirit they showed in that last uh, quarter in particular when the FINA were really pushing on and trying to trying to obviously win the game. Uh, that's that's going to be something that'll stand to them, I guess, going into this final because Jude's, despite you know their, their change of style or whatever, they're still a very dogged team and uh, Chemical Crows have shown that they can play that same way as well and maybe eke out a result. They can play great football, but if they need to eke out a result, they can do that as well. 
Yeah, that, that was a, a very satisfying victory for, for Kilmichael Croaks, that quarterfinal win o- over um, Nafina. And I think it really stood to them going into the semi-final against Ballyboden. Ballyboden had a much more comfortable afternoon that day um, when they beat Kassanok quite convincingly. The, the game was pretty much over after 15, 20 minutes. So it probably wasn't the test that um, Anthony Rainbow and the management team would have liked going into the, the Croaks game. But certainly Croaks, yeah, they, they can win it either way for you really. You know, they can play top quality, flashy football and rack up a high score. Or they showed it in that Nafina game where they weren't at their best. Um, they looked at times to be in second gear or third gear with, with more to come, but they didn't actually get to that fourth or fifth gear in that game. And, you know, the likes of Rory or O'Carroll was really the the, the, the sort of um, sound uh, defensive guy there who held it all together because when Sean Caffrey came on at the start of the second half, he actually nearly ran riot. He scored four from play for Nafina. And this was on the back of Owen Merchant and, uh, Connor McHugh coming off as well. So um, Nafina did throw the kitchen sink essentially at Kilmacud Croaks for that last 20 minutes. But Croaks survived. They they, helped, they kept them at arm's length and, and managed to eke out that two-point victory. So I think for Robbie Brennan, as you mentioned on the management team, it was a really satisfying victory. And it was something that they would have been probably using then in training going into the Ballyboden game. Um, get the game this weekend, it, it's hard to know. I mean, for me with, with Jude's, you know, if you fall behind the Jude's, they're a hard team to crack because, as we mentioned before, how good they are defensively. But but on the flip side, if you can get a lead against Jude's and, and try and build up that three, four, five point gap, um, it would force Jude's to come out of their sort of defensive system a little bit. Um, and that's potentially where Crokes could, could, could um, you know, look to exploit different areas and different gaps. So I think going into this weekend, the first quarter is actually going to have a real bearing on this game. If going into the water break, Jude's have managed to, to get a three or four point lead, you know, they're in a very, very strong position on, on how they can sort of play the game on their terms for, for the rest of the match. And, and Croaks would have to do a little bit of chasing then going on from that. Whereas on, on the flip side of it is Croaks get a good start. Um, you know, they've shown that they can win these big games in, in different ways. So, you know, it, it's all set up for a fascinating game, I think, this weekend. Yeah, and Barry, you were involved in 2003 with St. Bridget's as well. Bridget's had never won it up until that, up until that stage. Uh, obviously, Jude's haven't won it either. They have a huge experience in their camp, obviously, in terms of winning uh, titles. Kev Mack uh, is in there, and obviously Tom LaHiff has been with the senior footballers uh, with winning the All-Ireland in 2020. But is that something that plays on your mind? 2003, you were involved with Bridget's. Is that, was that anything? Did it, did it matter at all, the fact that that was kind of there. I know, obviously, Jude's have lost a couple of finals in recent years. So that might be more of a thing. But is, is that that idea that winning it for the first time, does that matter at all in the lead up to the game? Yeah, it does. Um, for us back then, we hadn't won a Dublin Senior Championship and we'd lost the 95 or the 99 final to Nafina and the 2001 final to Nafina um, under Kevin Clamurray. Um, that was obviously a phenomenal Nafina team with, with Desi and Senan and Jo and, and McGinney and, and the lads. So, um, you know, it, it sort of those couple of finals that we played in did stand to us going into the 2003 final but for us that year we, we just got a lot of momentum as soon as we we sort of got a couple of games under our belt and a couple of wins under our belt in the championship and built that over september october time getting into the, we beat nafina in the semi-final and then croaks in the final so um we were fortunate that we probably kept our best performance of the year to the final um which which obviously helps on, on that particular day but i think for players 
it's all well and good talking about winning championships and, and saying you're going to win one and believing you can, but until you actually do it, you, you do have that question mark over it. Um, but sort of on, on, on the other side of it, you're so desperate to get there. You know, um, Chemical Crokes obviously won it three years ago. Will the hunger and appetite still be there? You, you'd imagine it is, but um, certainly Jude should have a, a slight bit of an edge in that sense that a number of these players have been chasing that medal for a number of years. So um, if it does go to the death and into injury time and it's very tight or even into extra time, you know, will Jude have the, that extra level of um, desperation nearly to, to get over the line, which can happen when you're going for your first county title. So I think that is something that will um, play on their minds a little bit this week, but not to use it as a negative, maybe use it more as a positive and, and, and try and spur the team, team on a little bit. Okay, good. So if we're going to get predictions from you both now in a few minutes' time, but first of all, before we do, let's hear again from the Chemical Croaks chairman, Kevin Foley, who you spoke to on last week's show in the preview for the hurling final. Uh, here's some of the highlights of what he had to say last week. Uh, our philosophy, Derek, basically is when kids show up on our door in September, uh, and 170, 200 of them do that every September at five years of age, six years of age. We don't have a policy or a philosophy of saying no to anybody. Uh, and we don't go out recruiting people, but we do try to provide an opportunity for those kids to grow uh, through uh, and achieve their sporting potential in Gaelic games. Uh, and uh, we put a lot of effort into helping their mammies and daddies be coaches. We, you know, Patrick McDonald, our our head coach, and Niall Corcoran, uh, uh, our GPO. Uh, uh, both of those guys uh, work a kind of a coach to coaches type program. It's the only way we can work. Uh, uh, and mammies and daddies, some of them who never had anything to do with Gaelic games before, uh, when their kids come to us at five and six years of age, though they they uh, work through their kids' sporting lives uh, as coaches and mentors and 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 general uh, supporters of, of their children as they, as they progress. And that's the real key feature of our club. And uh, uh, so 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 that's us. We're we're in Oregon. Huge, huge volunteer effort. Believe it or not, Derek, we have over a thousand uh, Garda registered volunteers, and that is some uh, uh, Garda vetted volunteers. That is some 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 incredible uh, data, uh, uh, and uh, it's just a product of of the quality of what's happening. I think. I mean, I think mammies and daddies like what they see in the club uh, and like the participation that they get and uh, like the way that their children are facilitated to be the best they can be. Very, very few of the of our members will play county finals at senior one grade in Camogie, ladies football, hurling and football. Uh, so our club is, isn't really, ju- it isn't about uh, winning championships. We love to win championships. We love our good players to to advance. But it's really about every child and every young person and every adult who's who's in the club gets an opportunity to play the games and gets an opportunity to be the best that they can be. And uh, indeed, if if if, if our players uh, head off into other sports, we celebrate that as well. The idea of young people growing in sport is something that's really central to us. So when Deirdre Duke puts on that green jersey for the Irish hockey team. We delight in that. Deirdre, a long-time ladies footballer with us, uh, has achieved such fulfilment there. Ian Madigan, when he pulls on that Ulster shirt, we're delighted to see uh, Ian there and proud of him. To be fair, uh, all of those uh, guys on our football and hurling teams, they've grown up in our local schools. Our teachers have been out there in the evenings after after school, all as they were growing up. Uh, mentors, volunteer coaches when they were young, underage players. And... Uh, They've developed this commitment within themselves to get the best out of themselves uh, in their sport. And 
thankfully the quality of what's happening between Robbie Brennan uh, uh, as our manager in football, Baggio as, as he's known around the club from his playing days, and uh, Kieran Dowling. Uh, you know, uh, they put together the, and given facilitated these two teams to be the best they can be. And we're just delighted uh, uh, that they've got our club name out there onto the pitch in county final day, one Sunday after the other. And our Camogie and our ladies footballers coming along uh, into a league final afterwards. So, look, it's a good time. It doesn't happen often. Uh, but when it does, you got to take make the best of it. And there are so many people that put so much work into hurling into uh, uh, football, uh, into ladies football and camogie in our club for decades since those early days in the 1960s. In fact, Derek, just uh, our very first club secretary was a guy called Larry Ryan. And Larry is our club patron right now. And uh, Larry has been with this club and practically at every match that was ever played in it uh, <laughs> since the early 1960s. And Larry, I know, is looking forward to this weekend and the weekend after uh, with great excitement. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's one of the greats of our club. But when, when we reflect back on the decades and decades of service and commitment of Larry Ryan, uh, uh, we just, you know, that's a, that's a feature of our club that we're really, really proud of. So really it's about just making the best of what we have, being the best that we can be in our community, uh, meeting the sporting needs of our members of all abilities and all needs uh, and supports and, and just being the best that we can be uh, for people to be the best that they can be and then to support ourselves in our own wellness and in our own ability to to uh, reflect on the challenges that are there in modern life and you know you know and I know Derek uh, that young people growing up today well you're a lot younger than me but I know that, <laughs> that young people today uh, face a lot more challenges than I ever faced uh, uh, and having a regard to the way the modern world goes and I know that Kira and her team are very, very focused on supporting our community of young people and indeed adults, including people as uh, ancient as myself, to be well and to be well in themselves. And uh, uh, we have this model of, of, of operating called Croaks Talks, which was uh, initiated really by Kevin Mulligan, as I mentioned, but Lucy Mannion also, uh, Paul's sister, actually, Lucy, uh, uh, such a, an engine she was uh, for developing this idea of people talking to each other uh, and young people talking to each other. If you're not feeling well uh, uh, and you, uh, you, you know, talk to somebody, look for support, reach out there. Uh, and we want, we, you know, it's a key for us to keep that kind of culture there and to help our young people to understand the value uh, of talking to each other. Uh, at all times, so um, so that's a key key dimension. I mean, we're we're in we're uh, a club in a modern world. We've got to behave in a modern way. Uh, be the best that we can be on the field. Win those championships if we can win them. Win them. Yes. But if we can't, uh, just be the best that we can be uh, uh, on the field. And if it's good enough to win a championship, well, then it'll be good enough to win a championship. Okay, Kevin Foley there. Uh, you can watch that interview back in full on last week's hurl hurling final preview on the Dublin GA YouTube channel. Okay, guys, uh, it's predictions time. We're going to put you under pressure here. Who do you see winning this game? How do you see this game going? And I guess where will it be won and lost? Connor, we'll start with yourself. Who do you see coming out victorious on Sunday afternoon? I'm, I'm going to go with Jews, I think. Um... Um, I, like I've been really impressed with Croaks this year, uh, particularly as Barry said, the quarterfinal win over Nafina when they weren't at their best. Um, and one player that we haven't maybe mentioned so far, um, who's having his best season, I think, for Croaks in a long time, was Rory O'Carroll. Um, you know, he played midfield in a couple of games. He's back at centre back now, which isn't the position I, I think too many people saw him in. But he's really driving the team on, and he's kind of a rock back there. But I just think with Jude's, there is a sense of. 
I mean, it's a very intangible, but there's there's this kind of sense of destiny about them. You know, like they have a, like if you go through the team, players like Mark Sweeney and Kevin McManaman and Chris Gokian and Collie Murphy, who've been there for a long time, they've soldiered over um such a long period of time, have been into so many semi-finals. You know, that 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 whole kind of theory of the losing IQ that every time you lose a big match, you learn a way not to lose it for the next day. I think it's just gonna have to add up. Um and you know, if, if you were going off the basis of the performances to date exclusively, I think it'd be a very hard one to call. But I just think that the Jews have gone through so much um, and they've learned so much over the last few years. And as I keep saying, they actually look like a team that every year that they lose, instead of taking it as a setback, they take it as um, a situation that they can kind of glean lessons from and then quickly learn them. I just think that they've been taking very, very sl- small steps um, towards this county championship and I just feel that this is the year for them Okay, so uh, Connor going with Jude's Barry, who do you see coming out victorious on Sunday? I think it's going to be very tight this weekend um, two teams that obviously know each other very well two sets of players that would have come up against each other numerous times in Division 1 league games and, and obviously in the championship final itself three years ago um, I think it'll be interesting to see who Kilmacud Croaks put on Kevin McMenamin because he is playing that reduced role out around the middle where he's a bit more of a playmaker as opposed to being the guy inside. So is that Rory O'Carroll who, who would know him very well from the, the Dublin days or would it be maybe the likes of Killian O'Shea who's having a good championship as well? Um, I just think with Jude, to Connor's point, they have learned a lot of lessons in terms of losing big matches, but they've lost them in, in, in quite tight uh, fashion and um, but year on year they've slowly just got better and better and progressed and made that maybe five percent improvement over the last two three four years they've got a bit more comfortable in terms of playing uh and uh, the offensive side of their play around racking up a score that would be high enough to win these big games and i just feel that they have a nice bit of momentum with them um, there's a nice blend within that group as well at the moment in terms of guys that may have come into the club in the last number of years. And it really seems to be a, a good collective spirit there. So um, I think a lot of people will probably have criminal code of favourites, and rightly so. Um, but I'm actually going to go for Jude to, to sneak this one by a point or two. I think it's their time to finally deliver. And, you know, still looking at their team sheet, there was guys that I would have played against in our 2007 uh, semi-final, you know, 14 years ago and they've put in such a hard shift they're very deserving of getting that medal uh, it'll be hard earned but I think that um, Jews are going to sneak it at the weekend Okay so both of you going for Jews which is maybe a bit of a surprise for a lot of people um, people would have maybe been looking at Chemical Croaks being the favourites but uh, two for Jews this weekend looking forward to a, a really good game this uh, Sunday afternoon it's a quarter past three at Parnell Park uh, live on TG Cahar, it's Chemical Croaks versus St. Jude's. Before we go, uh, a quick look at the Senior 2 final as well, lads. Um, and Barry, I know there was a big disappointment for yourself and for St. Bridget's in the semi-final, losing out to um, Temple Oak Sing Street uh, the last day. It's Temple Oak versus Kula in this uh, Senior 2 final at O'Toole Park on Saturday afternoon. Uh, you've got, you were obviously at O'Toole Park for the semi-finals. How do you see this game going on, on Saturday? 
Yeah, well, well, certainly you'd have Kula as favourites. Um, Kula and my own club, St. Bridges, got to the final last year and, and both teams would have got promoted um, if that had taken place. So I think Kula were always going to be the favourites this year to, to back that up and uh, get promoted. They were excellent uh, in the semi-final against um, Sylvester's obviously Conor Callahan um, had a bit of a, a field day scoring 2-7 that day, but they're a very well-balanced team and I think, you know, fully deserved going up to, to senior one status and, and they should be well able to hold their own um, next year I'd certainly have them favourites against Sing Street um, the other semi-final th- that I was at between Bridges and Sing Street, it looked up Bridges maybe got a bit of a foothold at the start of the second half, Killian O'Gara got a, got a straight red card um, and Bridges got the next couple of scores to the edge in front but um, a couple of guys really stood up for Sing Street that day and particularly um, Niall Scully playing midfield he was absolutely top class You know, he, he got on so much ball um, carried the ball really well, cupped the Kicked a couple of really uh, good long-range frees midway through that second half when the, when the game was very much in, in the melting pot. Lorcan O'Dell, another guy who stepped up, managed to get a couple of good scores in the second half from, from play. And you still have the likes of Onogara there and Conor McKeon and all, all these guys. So they're an experienced team, Sing Street. They've done very well, I, I think, to get through the quarterfinal, semifinal and get promotion, which obviously would have been their main goal. Um, I think they probably won't have enough for Kula in the final itself. I, and I see Kula winning this, this final by maybe three or four points. Yeah, and Connor as well. Your assessment of this of this senior two final. Obviously, both teams have gone up, so maybe they're they're big. You know, in terms of their aim at the start of the year would have been to, to get promotion, and they have got promotion. But obviously, uh, a senior two final to come this Saturday afternoon, so a big chance for them to to win a trophy. Who do you see uh, uh, winning this one on Saturday afternoon? Yeah, it's funny. I'm not sure that you know when you're trying to preview a final that you could look at two more contrasting semi-finals. I think the score in the Bridges game and Temple Oak was 10 points to nine. And the score in the Kula game was 418 to 115 or something like that. And Con O'Callan got 2-7 on his own. So, um, you know, they're obviously two very, very different games. But look, I think Kula are a senior team in waiting and have been for the last two or three years. Um, I thought they were a little bit unlucky the way they went out last year, particularly when, when Con O'Callan picked up an injury. And, you know, he's such an amazing focal point for that team. So... You know, I, I, the fact that both teams are up, I don't think it'll make much of a difference. There's still a championship to win. There's still a trophy to play for. And unlike Barry, I think that that Kula team is is, is really, really talented um, all the way through it. Um, and I can see them not just going up uh, and winning at the weekend, but but holding their own at senior and, 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 and progressing on from there over the next couple of years. Yeah, and Barry, just finally... Um... What can you expect from Kula? They've gone up now. I mean, a lot of people would have been looking at Kula for the last few years and kind of expecting them to get promoted over the last two or three years. They've gone up now. They obviously have the quality throughout the team that we know. I mean, you know, Mick Fitz, Padre Coffee, Byrne, Conor Mullally, and obviously Khan up top. A lot of quality in there, like household names. Um, what can we expect from them? Maybe not next year, but over the coming years, do you see them, uh, you know, really pushing on and, and going far in, in the in the Senior One Championship over the next few years? I do, yeah. I, I mean, you look what Lucan have done this year in terms of getting to a a semi final. Um, I don't think that's uh, beyond the realms of possibility for Kula over the next two, three, four years. Um, they have all those talented players 
important that you mentioned. Um, if you look at any Dublin minor or under 20 football squad over the last three, four, five years, there was always cooler players there represented. Um, they've done well in the club championships at that level as well. So I think there's a nice conveyor belt of players coming through there. As well as the hurlers probably um, are on the slight decline a small bit. Um, so maybe a couple of dual players there could could possibly give the, the football side of it a bit more of a focus. But I think in general, Kula, who are you know pretty much a seasoned you know D- Division One team there as well, um, which is important because when you're Division One, you're playing at that level, getting 15 games usually pre-COVID anyway under your belt, which is a really good sort of test throughout the year and a build up to the championship. So I think for Kula, you know, their, their full value of being in, in tier one as such in the senior one championship. And I think for them next year, getting out of the group is very much a um, a target for them. And I think that would be real progress for them to build on over the next couple of years. Okay, good stuff. That's a senior two football final. The go ahead Dublin senior two football final this uh, Saturday afternoon at O'Toole Park. It's a half past two throw in for that one. Kula versus Temple Oak Sing Street. And the Senior 1 final, it's on Sunday afternoon, a quarter past three at Parnell Park. It's St. Jude's versus Kimmelco Croaks. The Senior 1 final live on TG Cahar as well. And you can get tickets for the Senior 1 and Senior 2 and all the games this weekend uh, at O'Toole and Parnell Park uh, on DublinGA.ie. So check that out uh, for tickets information. Okay, guys, listen, thanks a million for joining us this week and for looking ahead to what we hope will be another cracking final this uh, Sunday afternoon at Parnell Park, uh, Chemical Crocs versus St. Jude's. Both of you going for St. Jude's, so we'll have to uh, have you on again to, to uh, see if you're right or wrong. Thanks a million for joining us, guys. Cheers, Derek. Okay, I'm joined by former Dublin Under-20 hurling manager Paul O'Brien now to look back on what was an epic go-ahead Dublin Senior A hurling final on uh, Saturday evening. Chemical Croaks coming out on top after extra time. What a game of hurling, Paul. I'm not sure if you've uh, caught your breath yet after it. It was a sensational game of hurling. Croaks coming out on top, beating Nafina in the end by 426 to 225. But so much going on in that game, especially in the last 10 minutes of normal time and into extra time as well. What did you make of it? Um, yeah, Derek, look, it was I, I was there on, on Saturday night and... I was really looking forward to get to the game, and typically, what happens when you're looking forward to a game, be it Man United against Liverpool or Man United against City, it ends up being a dull nil-all draw, and there's it doesn't live up to expectations. But this actually surpassed it, um, and look, it was it was a fantastic game of hurling, and um, look, a great a great spectacle of of the quality of hurlers that are that are in Dublin. Um, look, I, I'll be honest, with you, I I really really enjoyed it, and it was. Like two really good management teams going at it, um, both well set up and changes in the game. And look, it was it was free flowing. It was a great game of hurling, and I, I wouldn't typically be too complimentary of refs. I, I I thought Chris Mooney done a really good job as well. He 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 allowed he allowed a good physical free flowing game of hurling to to develop. So so fair play to Chris on that as well. Yeah, and. I mean, listen, Nafina are going to feel like they left it behind them because they were nine points clear with 10 minutes to go uh, and had had led for most of the game and had dominated a lot of the game. Um, Sean Curry, six points in that first half, a brilliant performance. He's the go-ahead man of the match. Um, 
and a brilliant performance, especially in that first half. 115 to 111 up at half time. Probably should have been further ahead even at half time. Certainly that third quarter. Um that they were they, they they were the better team up until that 50 minute mark. They will feel like they left it behind them, obviously leaving Parnell Park on, on Saturday evening. Yeah, um, and look, I, I I suppose sitting here last week, I I thought Nafina were going to win, and I suppose the other the other two boys know more than me now because they got the <laughs> predictions right. Um, I thought Nafina were going to win because I felt they'd have their homework done on Croaks, which they certainly did. Um, like, and and I suppose a, a lot of the narrative around Nafina is going to be that last ten minutes and and into extra time. They gave a really, really accomplished performance for 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 their first county final. Like we, we talked, we talked in, in in the preview show about, we'll say trying to their their half forward line trying to get get a number of possessions a little bit deeper out the field. And Sean Curry done that superbly, hitting hitting six points from play in in, in the first half, and he kind of got five points from play in the first. 26, 27 minutes of of Park Linehan. And Park Linehan, for me, ended up being the real catalyst to, we'll say, the, the comeback for, for Croaks as well in that second half. Um, but I suppose for, for, for Croaks, putting Davy Crow out onto him, managed to to shut uh, Sean Curry and that threat down really, really well. Um, there was, again, like being complimentary of, of Nafina, they, they they had Fergie Bratnock set up well as that sweeper, and allied that to getting be a Park Linehan and 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 Bill O'Carroll actually delivered an, an amount of ball. They were delivering that ball from kind of 10, 15 yards further back than they had been in previous games, so that was kind of leading to Nafina picking up an amount of possession and kind of being dominant in them areas. And that's down to the work the the management team done and 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 the Nafina team done on the training ground in advance of the game. And like I suppose I I personally I I'd question would what would Croaks do? And certainly in that last fifteen minutes they they changed up tack and and, and they carried a, a considerable considerable amount more ball, you know. So um it, it, it was it was just great to see the the level of adaptability and playing off the cuff that was there from from both teams and like obviously so many of the forwards scored like I think I I am not a hundred percent on this but I think every every forward who who started scored um which is look which is great because I suppose some of our country cousins wouldn't be wouldn't be saying that there's too many natural forwards in Dublin you know um so look that bodes well for for lads going into the the senior setup as well you know. Yeah, big time. Um, so, listen, uh, third quarter, uh, I think Ronan Hayes hit three points in a row from freeze. It felt a bit like Croaks were kind of clinging on here a small bit in the game. Then Donald Burke scores uh, his second goal of the game around the 50-minute mark, and it very much looked like it was game over. Um, they were nine points clear with 50 minutes on the clock. What happened? Uh, what happened to both teams, I guess? How did, how did Croaks turn it all around to to uh, level the game by the by the full-time whistle and what happened to Nafina as well. Um yeah like I suppose I, I suppose there's there's two teams at play here and like credit must really go to to Croaks for for not giving up in that scenario. And um, like I suppose 
very much all year long they'd been uh, a deliver quick ball into the two men inside um, and that's that's how they went about things and it, it, it worked for them all year but we'll say Ushin's goal and Ronan's goal both of them scores came from Porrick Linehan and Davy Crow carrying ball 40-50 yards up the field hand passing or, or or, or, or kind of a, a brick flick to to Ushin and 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 Ronan and you get they get their quality men on the ball inside the twenty one and they, they score two fantastic goals so like that change that Croaks made of carrying ball and it continued throughout the extra time like um he he obviously didn't start the game um but I actually thought Kino Kohazik who is is a really good young hurler he's he's under twenty again next year. Um, I thought he made a massive impact in terms of driving forward with ball um, in that last couple of minutes, in the dying minutes of, of normal time and into extra time. I thought he, he had a massive impact on the game, which was which was really good to see. Um, and and like, look, the the substitutions had an impact on the game, both from both Nafina and, and Croke's perspective. I actually thought one thing that kind of happened with, with, with Nafina is... Sean Baxter was having a, a game and Sean Baxter's full of energy and he drives forward a, a hell of a lot on the ball. Um, and, and one thing kind of in that third quarter, I, I looked at Oshin work at one stage and he was he was completely gassed from chasing Sean um, Baxter back up the field. And that's like, you want to get Oshin work as far away from the goal as you, you possibly can. Um, and I thought when when kind of Nafina realigned it, it allowed Oshin to get that bit closer to the goal, um, and obviously it led to him getting the goal, and he, he got a couple of an additional score or two in that in in that final quarter and into extra time as well. So that that had an impact as well. Um, yeah, but like for me, it's it's very much like well done to Crokes and on, on how they went about it. Um, in the middle of the field, like Larkin McMullen and, and and Dylan Mulligan for two fellas who weren't absolutely man mountains by any stretch of the imagination. The physicality and the energy they, they brought to the middle was absolutely massive. And I thought the two of them like really thrived in, in them kind of close contact situations, both tackling and winning rucks on the ground and, and using balls smartly out of them. I thought it was it, it was really, really, really good to see. Um, and like then if you you kind of look at it from other perspectives, like Mark Rogan done a super job kind of shutting down Donald Bourke. Um, I thought Liam Rush and Fergal White had a really good battle. Um, obviously, David Crow when he went on to Sean Curry, managed to, managed to shut him down. And um, like Colin was Colin was shut down in the first half as well. So there was there was a lot of a, a really good stuff there from both an attacking and defensive perspective from teams. Yeah, and a word on Ronan Hayes because he was kind of the man of the moment in that last uh, five minutes and then extra time as well. Um, five minutes to go, he gets a penalty. He miscues it and puts it wide. I think everybody in the ground kind of felt if he gets his penalty, they have a chance of winning this or at least levelling the game. He missed it. He went up then and scored that goal in the 65th minute of the game. He had no right to even probably get a shot off and score that goal to bring the game to extra time and then scored I think six points in extra time then to win the game for Crokes a massive turnaround that mentality that he had I, I'm pretty sure we were speaking off air I'm pretty sure he missed a, a scoring opportunity a point opportunity either before or after the penalty around the time of the penalty as well so things weren't going well for him in that last 
you know, with five minutes to go in the game when they really needed him to step up. It didn't look like they were going well for him. He turned that all around completely with that with that goal and then an incredible uh, performance in extra time as well. That mentality is was is something to to really admire, I guess, from him. Yeah, and it, it, it was interesting. He's he's a really engaging character as well, and like the penalty, I, I, I seen someone kind of had a look at my phone after the game. Someone was watching the game on RTE at home and said. Uh, John O'Tracy was doing grobbler like antics in the goal, and <laughs> look, he managed to he managed to to psych uh, Ronan out in that in that scenario. Um, but Jesus, like like Ronan had a really good first quarter, then second quarter, third quarter, not so good, and then to stand up in the manner he he, he stood up in in the in in that final quarter and into extra time. Look, that's that's what you want from your your, your senior inter county players. You want them to be standing up. And and taking the game by the by the scruff of the neck, and that's certainly what Ronan done. Um, and you mentioned like in that period where Croaks were trying to come back from that nine point deficit, they had two wides, um, kind of around 50, 55 meters out in front of the goal, um, and Ronan hit one of them as well. But he just kept coming and he kept showing, and um, yeah, like fair play to him, like genuinely, um, because he's. He's a, a great fella and a great hoarder, and he's he he's really working hard to to get the most out himself. Like like I know over over lockdown, I remember being out in Croaks one day, and I was talking to one of his mentors, and they were saying that he was after putting ten kg or nine or ten kg on over that kind of lockdown period, and he went from we'll say that nice hoarder who was able to do. Um, exquisite things from time to time to being a really strong ball winner who does really good things all the time now. And look, it's it, it's great. I think he's going to be a real focal point of of um of the Dublin attack now. Come come twenty 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 two. Sorry. Um, a word on Athena because I mean they're obviously going to be heartbroken after the game the the, the manner it played out, but it's been a really positive year for them, and they can take huge positives out of it. Um, they're going to be focusing on the final, obviously, but winning the league this year, their performances throughout the championship campaign. Um, you know, if they if they had held on to win the game in in uh, normal time, you would have said they were deserving champions because they've been you know the, one of the best teams, one of the two best teams in the in the county uh, over the whole season. But certainly, they would have deserved to win this championship title. A lot of young players in there as well. Huge amount to be positive about if they if they can take. The positives from this year into 2022 that they'll be a force to be reckoned with and potentially if they can get over that line they're a team that could easily go on and and win a few county titles if they can get over that line but such is their quality and their youth that they have in the panel yeah and we'll say between both starting 15 teams over 90 percent of the lads were under 25 years of age as well you know and that's that really shows i suppose what's to come from from these two teams in in the in in the coming years um, like you, y- you have to bear in mind as well. Like Sean Curry didn't see any real action during the the group stages, so he was coming in without having a huge amount of hurling done. And Colin had an excellent, an excellent, excellent year, um, and 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 really became that focal point of their their attack as well. Um, and look, a fella, I, I I'll be honest, I I. I'm a real fan of is Michal Murphy, and Michal Murphy had a massive impact from from around the middle of the field there on on Saturday evening as well. 
So them fellas going in alongside Donald Burke um, is, 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 is a really attractive and, and, and strong and, and strong team, you know, and earlier on in the year as well, and, and, and he didn't see he didn't see any action over over the last two days is Tom Gleason, another fellow who's under twenty with Dublin next year. He he's seen a good bit of game time and, and, and scored heavily in the in the group stages as well. So he's another fellow who's going to, to drive on there in the future as well. So look I'm not gonna plumas them in, in saying hard luck or anything like that, but they have they have a lot there to, to really drive on in the in the, in the coming years ahead, you know, and I, I don't think this is the last time we're going to see a game of that quality between between Crokes and the Fina. Yeah, hopefully not, because it was a game for the ages, really. It's one of those games that you, you'll, you'll watch back in, in a few years' time. And I think a lot of people were just... Um, you know, shocked by the by the turnaround, obviously, uh, and watching it, people watching from home and people watching from here, it was just fantastic entertainment. Need to talk about you. You mentioned uh, the youth in, in both uh, teams uh, and the Fina in particular, and obviously Chemical Croaks, a huge amount of youth. Overall, this year it's been a very positive year for Dublin hurling because we've seen a lot of standout performers and guys who are putting their hands up for selection for Maddie Kenny. Um, and Dublin senior hurling going forward, it's it's been a really positive year in that regard in terms of really um, some really good performances and really good and really good, uh, I guess, um, talent coming through this uh, through Dublin hurling and we, which we've seen this championship over the past few months. Yeah, look, there's 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 absolutely no doubt about that, and like. <laughs> People might possibly say I'm biased, and some of the people I'm going to mention here now because they're they're people I've dealt with, um, with with, with Dublin teams. But I, I'd be very much looking at it from a perspective of there was so much young talent on show there at the weekend and throughout the knockout stages and the group stages. It was young lads really coming to the fore with with teams, and like I do think there's 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 a big onus now on 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 Matty Kenny to to give the opportunity to to some of them young lads who've shown well at club level because they're they, they physically dominated older lads um and, and and their hurling has been really sharp as well. Um like looking looking at the the two finalists in particular, like Davy Crow, Dara Purcell and Keno Kosick are still under twenty for, for twenty twenty two. And look they'll they'll un, under the guidance of Sean Power um and, and I know all three of them are out in U C D as well. And like be it with um Kane Waldron and Johnny McLean with the with their fresher team or with um Conor O'Shea on their fits team, they'll get good opportunity to get 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 a lot of opportunities of, of game time in through Leinster into Fitzgibbon Fresher and then into an under twenty campaign. And I think this time next year there's a lot of them going to be like on pushing into that senior panel. But we'll say fellas who are out in that underage bracket, um like I, I think as well. Uh, Pork Linehan and, and, and Brian Sheehy again they'll get good exposure to, to more high level horn like they like they have to play Raharney and hopefully they progress on and to whoever wins awfully and progress on to possibly getting the opportunity to mark the likes of Owen Cody and Adrian Mullen and TJ TJ Reid so there's great opportunity for learning there and again like Pork and, and Brian are out in UCD they'll get an opportunity for, for a good level of Fitz Hurl and I think they'll push in to a, a Dublin senior panel at the time like obviously there's been a lot of talk about Alex O'Neill throughout the year he's been excellent I'd, I'd love to see him in there just 
got straight in and like he, he brings a huge work rate and speed and dynamic and and, and he'd offer loads and um, we'll say on on another one there as well for me is 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 mark rogan i think he's a fantastic hurler and um, he's physically strong he, he's he knows how to play hurling i think he'd add a huge amount to to my setup as well and then we'll say on the nafina side like a lot of them are, are in there already and um, i think like look the two curries need to see game time they They've been in and around the panel for for a few years, on and off the the panel. They need to be given proper opportunity to to show what they're they're about. Because, um, look, if a fella scoring seven points for playing in a county senior hurling final like Sean did, he needs to be, he needs to get that opportunity to see can he do it at the the next level up. Like I know, I know he's in DCU and he'll hopefully go well with them. And if it's given in 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 January February, but uh, I I really hope. He, he he pushes on then throughout the year with Dublin and, and and really gives it a good go. So like them them two teams in, in in particular have a lot of young lads coming through. We'll say other fellas who 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 impressed. We'll say from a senior perspective, um, I suppose Dowser is Dowser is a fella who who went really well for for Lucan and again he he off he has a, a number of of attributes and skills that I, I think are suited actually. To to senior intercounty hurling, um, he has pace, he's strength, he's a good striker of the ball. Um, similarly, Kane Derwin from Crave and 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 Owen Dunn from Bridget's again, both good, strong strikers of the ball, um, intelligent hurlers. I think they both offer they'd offer something different as well. Um, if they if they get the opportunity for for a prolonged spell inside, and um, then the likes of you know something that kind of came about in the championship and something Limerick have done with we we'll say redeploying Kyle Hayes back to wing back and like I know he scored two goals in the championship kind of with driving runs forward from from wing back. I thought Keane Boland had an excellent game against Fogs um playing in that wing back role. And unfortunately we didn't get to see it the, the following day out. Um just a we'll say a repositioning of of lads with, with that pace and athleticism out to around the middle of the field to to play a more powerful strong running game might be might be useful. Um and then like another fella and I'm not talking about him for the senior panel, um, but I thought James O'Brien was was excellent in that in that Fogs against Plunkett's match as well. And he was the real leader for Fogs that day and hopefully he pushes on with the the Dublin under twenties now this year as well. So look there's there, there's lots there and look I'm definitely missing missing a few and look look I, I know I said it I said it last week I think and he he was excellent in the final. Eddie Gibbons deserves a, a shot up there to to work with the likes of um, Alan and Sean as well in in the goal. You know, yeah, big time. And again, I guess most, huge credit must go to the management uh, of these teams to be putting young guys in there because it is it can be a a risk at times to be throwing young lads in. And Neil, uh, Kieran, and and Donald in particular in the final, we saw a huge a huge array of young talent in the in the county final. So huge credit must go to to those uh, to Neil sorry, yes. uh, and to Kieran and... as well. Sorry, sorry. like Nihal Murphy is, is is another fella who I think is tailor made for to to be in the inter- senior intercounty setup as well. Um, and I thought he's he was a real a real driver for for Nafina this year as well. 
Yeah, big time. Um, before we go, a, a quick look, because you've spoken about the positives, I guess, coming out of the Senior A Championship. Senior B and, and Intermediate Finals were on over the weekend as well. And I guess um, positive, again, from a Dublin hurling point of view, to see Castle not come out on top in the Senior B. Not, not, no, no disrespect to, to Chemical Croaks. I know yourself and uh, the guys last week were were eager to see uh, Castanoc keep progressing, winning the Senior B title at the weekend and Fingalians winning the Intermediate title as well. Uh, overall, uh, these are two two clubs that are, again, progressing uh, with Dublin hurling and doing very well from a, hur- a hurling point of view. And hopefully we see them go from strength to strength over the next few years. Yeah, and look, if if you were to ask most people what's the dominant code in Castleknock and and Fingalians, you, you probably would say football. Um, and like there's a lot of people really fighting strong battles out in out in them clubs to to really drive the hurling on. And I could mention loads of people and I do a disservice by by trying to mention everyone, but like Anton O'Clerig is like really driven um Castle Knock on for a long time and like a lot of them young lads would have went through his hands. And similarly, John Williams and Niall Howard over in, in, in Fingalians, a lot of them young lads would have went through their hands as well. And they've really been really driving the small ball in them clubs for, for a long time. And um, it's it, it, it's great to see that they're getting kind of rewards for it, you know. Um, and again, like a lot of a, a lot of good young lads there. Um, like, I know... Um, look, Dara Power will say in the Fagallians is, is the standout, but there was a lot of other fellas who really impressed. I know Ben Ben Steers um, will say a strong defensive hurler. He, he he got a bad injury in the game and, and kind of came back and just shows the the kind of mentality of 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 the young fella um, in in that game. And then out in out in Castle out in O'Toole Park on the Sunday as well. And I, I I wasn't at the game. Um, I believe there was there was a there was a number of, of really strong performances, um, from the likes of Connor Murray and and Luke Whelan and and and, and Keen Boyle and it, look it's it, it's really good to see it's really good to see teams, team the, the new teams coming on. I don't actually know specifically what way um the tiers fall. I know what way senior one falls. I don't know where. Castleknock and 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 Fingalians are going to lie for the 2022 championship, whether they're senior two or they're senior three or or, or where they are. Um, but I I think there's we're, we're going to have a, a kind of a number of really strong competitive championships heading into heading into next year as well. And it's great to see. It's it's it, it's good that we have um we have all the clubs going so well. Yeah, big time. And as you mentioned there, there is a restructure in the championship next year, the CCC, but we'll be having and releasing the details of of who and which teams are where in Senior A, B and, and Senior C uh, over the next few months, I'm sure. But uh, again, as you mentioned, plenty of uh, competitive action we look forward to in 2022. And again, it has to be said, we've had a fantastic season this year with uh, some really high quality games and really competitive action, no more so than the county final last Saturday, which was a fantastic game of hurling and a, a thrilling game of hurling uh, to finish the season out. Congratulations, Chemical Croaks. They are the Senior A Hurling Champions for 2022. And Paul, thank you very... Uh, 2021, I'm, I'm skipping ahead of myself already. But congratulations to Chemical Croaks. And Paul, thank you very much uh, for joining us in this season and uh, this evening as well to uh, look back on the county final. Thanks, Paul. No problem.
And that is the go-ahead Dublin Championship show for this week and for this season as well. A reminder that match tickets are available on DublinGA.ie for the go-ahead Dublin Senior 1, Senior 2, Intermediate and Junior 1 football finals, as well as for the Minor A hurling final. If you can't make it to Parnell Park this Sunday afternoon, don't forget that the go-ahead Senior 1 football final between Kimoko Croaks and St. Jude's will be shown live on TG Cahar as well, so you can catch it wherever you are. Thanks for tuning in this week and for this season. Enjoy the games this weekend, and goodbye.